0: Thank you for listening to audio from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church or our Sunday services, please visit gccugene.org. Good morning. If you're visiting with us, my name is Rick, and we are honored to have you as our guest this morning. So we're actually taking a little break from our uh, series that we're doing in 1 Corinthians titled Saints and Society where we're looking at what it looks like to be a saint and to live in society. And we're going to do a two-week uh, series on the vision for our church, series one, series two. And so if you're someone that likes to read ahead, then uh, you can uh, get a little ahead on your reading and start uh, meditating on the passages that we're going to be at next week, which is going to be Jeremiah chapter 29, verses four through nine. So that's what we're going to be at next week. And We're going to be looking next week at the practical side of what our vision looks like. And so uh, the three S's, what it looks like to seek, serve, and share. And so that's going to be... Uh, presented to you by Jay Lawson next week uh, as our second part of our vision series. So after that, we're going to dive back into Saints and Society. And in that series, we have kind of like these little series going on. And so the little series that we're doing next is going to be on... Marriage, sex, and singleness. And so if you want to get ahead on your reading there, I would read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and I would even read Song of Solomon. So we're going to be looking at uh, those books and those passages as well. If you want some uh, some extra reading and some, uh, some non-biblical reading, then you could read Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. It's a great one. Or uh, Redeeming Singleness. So I actually have a copy of Redeeming Singleness. So if someone who is single wants to read it, uh, I would definitely uh, give that to you to to read, and then if you'd be willing to write up a little one-page review on what your thoughts were as a single person on the book, that would be awesome. So, that's it. That's where we're headed as a church. So today we're going to start our first series, our, our, our first sermon in this vision series, part one. So, what is our vision as a church? Some of you might be thinking, well, I thought we had a vision. Our vision is make Jesus a hero. So uh, our mission statement is to make Jesus a hero. We believe that the Bible makes Jesus a hero from beginning to end. We believe that, that what we want to strive to do in all of life, uh, where we work, uh, where we live, and where we play, is to make Jesus a hero. On Sunday mornings, we want to make Jesus a hero at our gospel communities. We want to make Jesus a hero in all of our life, our mission statement what we want to train people in and what we want to do is make jesus the hero because he's the one sustainable hero that that, that, that can sustain all of our hope and that we can put uh, a stake the weight of our lives into and so that's our mission statement our vision statement is this love god and love our neighbors and so uh is it semantics it's really not. our mission statement is what, what what we've been striving to what we're trying to do empowered by the holy spirit to do that our vision statement is, is, is the practical uh, um, ways in which we are seeking to do that and, and what we are seeking to live into, specifically where our church gathers as a whole on Sunday, but also where we gather throughout the week. So, so 11 words, that's what it is. We've tried to it, uh, make it simple. So, make Jesus the hero through loving God and loving our neighbors. So, that's it. With that, let's take a look at where that comes from. Mark chapter 12. <clears throat> Give you guys just a moment to turn there. Mark chapter 12. Mark is in the New Testament. It's the second gospel. We're going to be looking at verses 28 through 31. Mark 12, 28 through 31. So let's pray and we'll read it and dive in. Father, I pray that through your word you administer to us this morning I pray that through the truth of the gospel our hearts would be encouraged this morning I pray in the midst of whatever everyone in this room is going through whatever pain whatever brokenness whatever despair that we would know you more and know your love that is seen through and in Christ and what Christ accomplished and his life death and resurrection who that makes us his sons and daughters and what it is to be eternally held by you and by your love to be bound by your boundless love father i pray that you administer the truths of the gospel not just to our heads but in the depths of our hearts that our souls might know these truths believe these truths and experience the realities of these truths I pray that we as a church are a church that grows in our love for you. I pray that we are a church that grows in our love for one another inside of this family, but I pray we are also a church that grows in a deep love for those that are outside of this family, that are in the city that you've called us to, that you've placed us in. I pray that we would uh, train and raise up and encourage one another what it looks like to love you and love others well. I pray that from uh, uh, the youngest of age that's going on in GCC Kids this morning, that the gospel would be shared back there, that they would know and understand what your gospel is, what the good news is of what we need and what you 've provided Jesus. I pray that we as a church um, would be a church family again that loves one another well and loves our city well. we pray in jesus name amen mark chapter twelve verse twenty eight through thirty one and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that He answered them well, asked Him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So real quick before we dive into it, what is the context? What's going on in this passage? It's Passover week, which would have meant that Jewish people would have come from all around the region to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast. So Jerusalem would have been packed. It's also the last week of Jesus' life. So this is it. These are the last few days of Jesus' life. He just had his triumphal entry. So he rode in, to this, uh, uh, He rode into Jerusalem, being celebrated and being praised. The Messiah is here. The people celebrated, the Messiah is here, the one who is going to crush Rome and deliver us from the Roman government, from our oppressors, the one who's going to set up his throne right here, and the one that's going to restore Israel to their rightful place. He's here, they were celebrating, they were praising, Jesus is here, he's the Messiah, he's the one, that's where we're at. It seems all good, but we know how the story ends, because in a few days, Jesus is going to be crucified. But that's what's going on, and, and, and the people are happy, the people are excited, they're following this Jesus, they're excited about what He's going to do, they've, they, they've heard of the, of the testimonies, they've heard of the miracles, they've heard of all of this, but who doesn't like Jesus are the religious leaders, because they can't control Him, and they can't control the people that are following Him in droves, and so they don't like Him, and so what they do is they send their best to go and try to trick Jesus, to try to stump Him, to, to try and uh, trip Him up. And so you have to understand, the religious leaders weren't going to send in their B team or their C team or their junior varsity or anything like that. They were going to send in their best, okay? They were going to send in their very best to try to trip, trip them up. And so first they send in the Pharisees and, and, and they send in the Herodians, which those two groups of people actually don't ever even get along. The, the Herodians are a political party that want to restore a Herod to the throne and the Pharisees want to restore... Uh, 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 David's throne and so they, they don't even like each other they don't even agree with, but but they have one common enemy Jesus Christ so they're coming together trying to trick him. so so they they send him in or they, they send in these religious leaders and nothing in a sense this is crazy to understand what's going on here this is like in a sense if you're a parent if you have like three four preschool-age kids. It's like a bunch of preschoolers, like three or four of them getting together and then saying, let's trick mom and dad. Let's, let, let's trip them up, okay? And, and, and we got this solid game plan. L- let's go with this one. You guys follow my lead. Actually, I'm the best. Let's send me in. I'll get them. Mom, dad, yes. What's one plus one? Mom and dad go, well, two. And they're like, dang it. They got us. The goddess. We weren't ready for that, and and the reason why that's ridiculous is because it's finite creatures trying to trip up the infinite God. It's like they they. It's like I, I got him paying taxes to Caesar's. Jesus, like this is this is an easy one. Uh, resurrection, uh, this is an easy one. Like they they are, our, our finite minds are trying to trip up the infinite Creator of the universe. Even even in the scenario of four year olds, it's still fi- uh, it's still finite against finite. In this, it's finite against infinite mind. Okay, so it, I love it because if you guys have ever seen the movie Goodwill Hunting, it's kind of like that. In Good Will Hunting, uh, the, the 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 character Will Hunting is a janitor for MIT, right? But he's brilliant. And so he goes into a bar, and, and, and one of the grad students uh, uh, is in there just flaunting his stuff. And then so uh, Will, Will Hunting comes up to him, who's, who's untrained, who, who doesn't have all the pedigrees and all this stuff, and he just trips him up, right? And then to, to top it off, he's like, and after he just schools him intellectually, then he's like, if you want to, we can just go outside and settle this, right? So he, he, he gets him on every front. He gets him intellectually, and, and then he challenges him physically. And, and the people are like, who is this guy? He's brilliant. The same thing. Jesus wasn't trained in the, in, in the rabbinic schools of the day. He's this blue-collared, hard-working man who grew up in Nazareth and yet they're sending the smartest to him and they're coming back dumbfounded they're like who is this guy it's the creator of the universe so so that's the context then they send in the Sadducees and now they send in it's like the best the best this is like this is the DA Carson this is the NT Wright, whichever one of those you like better they're they're sending in their best okay to get him this is a scribe however what we see is something different this scribe has been listening and it doesn't seem like he comes in with some sort of hostility it doesn't seem like he's coming in angry he actually seems to be really impressed with jesus and so he's asking him some questions and he's asking him some of these questions about what what is the greatest commandment we would say um is that a common question yeah actually rabbis would, would, would attempt to do that. They would try to summarize the entire Old Testament. So uh, we can even see some places in our Old Testament where the Old Testament does that itself. So Jesus doesn't have a problem with this question. He, he answers it directly. And this was a, a fairly normal thing to do. And so that's the context. That's what's going on. They're sending their best in, getting stumped. What we're focusing on though today and how this relates is this, is to love God and love our neighbor as ourself. How does that relate? How, if we're going to talk what it looks like about loving god and and, and loving our neighbor because jesus summary if, if if god in the flesh summarizes the uh the bible for us and what's most important we should listen to that and he says this is what's most important love god and love your neighbor as yourself i've, I've summarized it for you there you go but here's what 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 the setting alone has to teach us about the love of god is how offended do we get when our children or other people challenge us or test us or, or, or try to outsmart us or do something like this that jesus would have known that they were doing how offended do we get that we feel disrespected maybe some of us are sitting here this morning feeling that same way i feel disrespected from this or this the the, the creator of the universe who created human beings now the human beings are sitting there before the creator trying to outsmart him and challenge him. do you know what what why it shows me the love of god and why it already starts pointing us to see, as we sung about, the reckless love of God, is you see God's desire in Christ to engage in dialogue with His creation. You see this love that He is willing to engage with us, and and engage with them, engage with the Jewish religious of the day. But what you also see is this, is Jesus didn't go to the cross because He got tripped up by the intellectual people of His day. He outsmarted them. Jesus didn't go to the cross because he was powerless and he couldn't unbind himself. In fact, when they came to arrest him and, and they said, where is Jesus? He, he says, I am, I am he. What happens? 300 soldiers fall down. Go, go and read that passage in John. When they come to arrest him and he says, I'm right here, they all fall down showing this, that no one's taking my life. I'm not being outsmarted and I have to go to the cross because I got tripped up. I'm not going to the cross because I'm powerless to, to, to overcome the people in front of me. I'm going to the cross because I want to go there. Because I want to rescue you. Because I want to give my life for you. That's where we start off. This engagement. He's not being outsmarted. And he's not being overpowered. At the end, Jesus goes to the cross because that's where he wanted to go. And to give up his life. So in order for us to see what it looks like to love God and love others, we're, we're, we are going to have to see what it looks like to understand the love of God. Where does Jesus start with? So the question comes in, which commandment in verse 28 is the most important of all? 29, Jesus answered. The most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We have a slide for Deuteronomy where Jesus pulls this from. It's called the Shema. And Deuteronomy 6, four says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This, this is something that, that, that faithful Jewish people recite twice a day. In the morning and in the evening and and jesus says this is it so and in fact this is something that they still do today and what they will do is they will actually cover their eyes with both hands so they can concentrate as they recite this here the shema this prayer shema means hear discern listen so what they would do is this is they will cover both their eyes so they can concentrate and they will say this shema israel Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. That's what they say. That's how they start their day. That's how they end their day with the Shema. If my Hebrew was messed up, Lynn, will correct me later. But that's what they do, and that's what Jesus. That's where Jesus takes them. This would have been very known to his audience. He, He he's affirming this is this is it. This is let me summarize it. The Shema. Love the Lord. The Lord is one. Love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what He says. If we keep reading on. 29. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. There you go. It's pretty simple, right? So we read that and go, that's it. Jesus summarizes it. That's the first part of it. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Devastating news. Crushing news if we understand it. There's one false teacher We'll call him a false teacher because he says that, uh, that Jesus gave him a new slate and he has not violated it in 12 years. Uh, and verse John, I believe it's eight, says if we believe that we don't have sin enough, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not within us. And so uh, the reason why I would call this person who, who quotes that it says that as a false teacher is because the reality is this. There are 86,000, let me get this right, 400 seconds in a day <clears throat> 86,400 seconds in a day how many is that in a year I never made it past basic math so just to be to clear uh, 31 million 536,000 okay in a year love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all your strength not sometimes That's how we're called to love God every second of every day. Do you know how many times every moment, every second of the day that we don't actually do that? That we love other things more than God? That we've given our heart and our affections to to a relationship, to a spouse, to someone else or something else. And that's where our emotions are tied up into this is devastating news it's not good news the law is good but the law shows us how broken we are how messed up we are and how much we need Jesus Christ this this if you were sitting there this would be crushing oh my goodness and RC Sproul some summarizes it well we won't belabor it he says to love God with all of your heart is it that's what you're giving all of your affections to soul he would say is the zeal of those affections how much passion is in those affections that we're giving to someone else He would say mine is that we're not lazy with our mind and with our thoughts but we're actually people that are reading and studying and and engaging our 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 minds to love god as well though many of us if we were honest would say man i haven't even read my bible this week right and then there's our strength our strength is typically given towards our hobbies i i i know this we will burden ourselves for our hobbies and things we love but, but we're called to love god with all of our strength so, already, not good news, if we're being honest. Not good news at all. That's how it starts off with, okay? And I would say that, man, people are like, so-and-so said a bad word. I'm like, oh, okay, they said a bad word. Uh, do you know what else they did? Probably did not love God before they said the bad word, and probably for like 85,000 seconds of their day, we're not loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the reality. I think we have such a small view, and, and, and I think my, my struggle w- with the guy who said that is that such a self-righteous view, because we have a, a small view of how broken and how, fall, or, or, or how far that we fall short from living up to the standard God has. It's like, uh, I, I might have slipped up or made, made a couple mistakes. No, it's like, you are not loving God every second of every day like this. But then it gets worse, okay? It gets better, it should be, but, 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 but the news gets worse for us. A, as we look here, verse 31, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus says it explicitly. There's no other commandment greater than these. So the law, the 613 commandments, the, 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 uh, the 10 commandments, the, the, the Old Testament, the New Testament, all of it, it's been summarized. And it's not actually a checkbox of things to do. It has to do with love. It has to do with loving God and it has to do with loving others. And that's how He has summarized it. There you go. Love your neighbors yourself. Uh, uh-oh. Like every second of every day, however you take care of yourself, feed yourself, provide for yourself, and do all that, you're supposed to do that for your neighbor. That's also crushing. Some of us were like, I don't even know my neighbor's names. (laughs) And I've lived in the same house for like five years, right? You know where it gets worse? Is in Luke's gospel. He actually, the scribe asked this question, you know, just so you can make sure you check the box. Who's our neighbor, you know? like we want to make sure we check all the boxes well who's our neighbor well this also didn't come from thin air jesus quoted leviticus 1918 which says you shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against the sons of your own people but you shall love your neighbor as yourself i am the lord and then in luke's gospel the scribe asked this and so jesus tells this beautiful story of the good samaritan okay and if you know anything about uh, uh jewish history their, their their enemy is the samaritan people and so it's not like there's this little tension. There, there, there is massive tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. And so Jesus tells a story. He's like, all right, I'm going to tell you who your neighbor is. And I would have loved to have been there just to see seen the reaction in people, the reaction in their faces. I can only imagine the sort of emotions that were turned up as Jesus started to share this story about this Samaritan who rescues this Jewish person. Do you know why that would have been so offensive? The most offensive thing would have been that this unclean person wants to love us And we don't want to receive the love and the help from a Samaritan. The the, the story of the Good Samaritan is not about us being morally good people. It's actually a story about how we are not good, but how Jesus is the only Good Samaritan. And he offers his love in such a way that is scandalous for the world to receive. They're like, a Messiah on the cross? Gross. That's how the most vile of criminals die. I don't want that kind of love. And that's the kind of love that Jesus presents is that you're broken The Messiah dies on a cross, suffers a gruesome death because of our sin and rebellion against him, and people look at that and go, gross, we don't want that. But the story of the Good Samaritan is actually this, is is a man dying for his enemy, or I'm, I'm sorry, a man helping out his enemy, which ultimately Jesus is a perfect picture of a man dying for his enemy. So in the story of the Good Samaritan, it's someone loving someone who is their big-time enemy and when so when Jesus says love your neighbor he's not like hey love the guy next door who drives you crazy cuz his leaves fall every fall on your property like that's the least of your worries right what 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 is going on is is that Jesus is saying love the people who are your enemies love the people who hate you love the people who persecute you let me read this passage because uh, I I think they, they they might have missed this but Jesus says this so well in Luke look at Luke But I say to you, who hear, love your enemies. He already said this. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Oh my goodness, how hard is that? Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish, will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Jesus' command is to love God and to love those who are enemies. Love those who hate us, despise us, persecute us, slap us. I mean, we get offended if someone says something to us that, 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 that goes against us or, or makes us look bad because of our pride. It's like if someone slaps you, someone delivers a blow to you, Turn him the other cheek. Man, we'd have to say it is not good news so far. To love God like this and to love our neighbor like this and then to define neighbor as our enemies who persecute us, we would have to be willing to admit that we're probably not that loving non-christians if you're here I've heard it said like this a lot people go well I'm a pretty good person why wouldn't I go to heaven let's just let's just do the good old summary of the law do you love God with all your heart soul mind and strength every second and every day no okay do you love your neighbor who's your enemy as yourself no well then morally by God's standard are you a good person or are you a sinner who's broken who's in need of grace And that's the reality we are incapable of loving god because our will is bent by sin we are born with a sinful nature because that was passed down to us from the fall of mankind from adam we are born dead to sin no one can choose to love god unless you have a will that has been saved and transformed by the grace of God through the working of the Holy Spirit to place your faith in Jesus Christ we're dead in our sin we cannot love God like this only someone who is not born with the sin of Adam who's not been contaminated by it, which is Jesus Christ can love God like this that's it we are incapable of doing it we're incapable of loving other people like this that is why Jesus came the very presence of Jesus on earth was this fulfilling this he was loving God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength every second of every day for his life. And then he was loving his enemies so much so that as Ronnie said earlier, he went to the cross not for the people that are his friends. He went to the cross for us. When we go, man, those people are so hard to love, they drive me crazy. We misunderstand how hard we are to love his enemies of God and though he came after us to bring us into his family, to reconcile us. The only way we love God is to see God first loving us so what he does is he sends his son to love him and serve him with all of his heart soul mind and strength and to love his neighbor as himself and what Jesus does is he dies for the ways that we give our affections everywhere else what we do is we are idol worshipers you know that we worship the created things so what we do is we wring out the things in our life and try to suck everything out of them that 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 we can until we've wrung them dry right that's what worshipping an idol is. It's, it's, it, it, it's worshipping something uh, that is created over the creator God. Inanimate objects, people, whatever it is. And then this is what typically happens. We ring those things out, right? Trying to get all that we can out of them. Fill in your vice, success, whatever it is. Alcohol, drugs, addictions, good things. Doesn't have to be a bad thing. We ring them out, right? Because we give all of our heart and our affections as to things oftentimes that are inanimate objects and then we get frustrated with god we're like why are you taking this from me why are you removing this from my life this is what i want and so we run to the god to ask for him to give us back the very things that are ringing us or or, or, that we are ringing out and that are sucking the life away from us instead of seeing that the only place that we are really going to find true satisfaction is in God's love for us and in our love for him. That's how he's designed it, for us to have that relationship. Where where he loves us and we love him and out of that flows a love for our neighbors. The cross of Jesus Christ, the gospel is this, is that we have not loved God or others as we ought. And so Jesus did. And what he does to us, I woke up this morning and I was just, uh, just not at a great spot. And so I was like, and all I could think about is my week and how I hadn't read my Bible enough, how I hadn't done this enough. And I was just reflecting on my week and just remembering this, that, that the gospel is not faith in Rick's week. The gospel is faith in the life of Jesus Christ. His, his, his heart, his affections, his love and his desire for God in my place every second of his life. That's what I look to for good news. And I also look to the fact that Christ paid for the ways that I give my heart to everything else in this life and and what i look to is that he's loved his neighbor his enemies myself included perfectly that's where we place our trust and faith and hope as christians not in what we do but in what he's done and then out of that flows this love let me say this yesterday i uh well My wife left town on Thursday with our youngest, and so I've had a couple days with my oldest daughter, Joey. And uh, yesterday we went to Original Pancake House, great spot, and uh, we're we're sitting there talking, and I'm asking her some questions. And and I'm like, what are three things you want to do this summer? She's like, let's have four. I was like, okay, four. She's like, let's have five. We got up to seven. I was like, okay, seven's good, you know? And so, uh, seven things that she really wants to do this summer. And then I was like, Joey, what do you want to be when you get old? she's like, I want to be a teacher. And, and, you know, we started asking why. And she's like, because I would want to take all the crayons, Dad, and all the ones that are purple, I would want to have them in a purple container. And all the ones that are blue, I would want them to be in a blue container. So when you put your hand in there, you know that you're going to pull out a blue crayon, and I'm like, I'm like, this is why I'm. I started praying for a husband when you were born, uh, uh, be, be, because of this beautiful A-type that you are, and I and I, and I love her so much. And so, uh, but she was talking about this, and then she was asking me these questions, and and, and we were talking through this. Do, do, you, do you know? Um, that almost every day I ask my daughter, and you guys have heard me say this. I say uh, uh, to, to to Joey and Brooks, I say, uh, Joey Brooks, I I, uh, I say, why does Dad love you? And then they respond back. They know how to respond back now. Uh, they say, because we're your daughter. Okay. So 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 the essence of my love is not something they do. It's who they are, right? So ask them that almost every night. Um, Dad, you love us because we're your daughter. That's it. It's not anything you can do, right? So my daughter joey she objectively knows that as something that is true right that my dad loves me whether he's here with me or whether he is not here with me my dad loves me right i came back from doing a wedding a few weeks ago and my daughter is laying on the couch and when i went in my, my wife said hey um I, I said did she have a rough night and she said yeah she did so she's laying there on the couch asleep with my gospel community church shirt on and uh and uh, I was like uh, it was rough and she goes yeah she uh, she was crying so uh, Joey has a hard time when I'm not home okay here, here here's why I say this in that moment Joey knows the objective truth that she is no less my daughter than when I am home with her but it's not an objective reality or, 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 or some theological knowledge that she has or some sort of knowledge it is an experience of love that my daughter longs and craves for and that satisfies her and here's why i say this it is not going to be just some objective truth or knowledge of god that is going to get you through difficult times in life it is going to be the experience of the father's love that sustains you and strengthens you through hard times in life i know that i wasn't going to share this but i'm going to share it with you uh, I had an MRI uh, about a week ago, and so, uh, and some of you guys know this through, through proximity with my wife, or um, I met with Brian and Ronnie this week, so they know this, but uh, that, that that MRI uh, was done by a gentleman who goes to our church named Paul, and, and so Paul calls me on Monday and says, hey, I don't want you to be alarmed. And anytime someone says that, <laughs> you're I'm alarmed. Um, <laughs> that's my personality, and so. So, uh, but he but was like, there were some, uh, some abnormalities that, that, that came up as far as the coloring of your, uh, of your uh, uh, bone marrow. And so, they're like, you know, the, they're asking some questions like, Did you, have you ever taken anabolic steroids? I'm like, yes, a lot of those. Um, so, that's pretty Jesus, just to be clear. Um, and, and so, they're like, maybe that's it. But, uh, and then I was like, well, my dad had bone marrow cancer. And so, they're like, okay. Uh, so, we should probably move this forward a little bit. And... Uh, and so the rest of that day, I was almost speechless. It's the first time I've lived most of my life thinking I'm bulletproof. Um, as arrogant as that might sound, I've just liked the reality of death or, or overcoming things physically is something I thought I could do until I think Monday for the first time. And, and uh, the other people that were calling and helping me out with that were great. It's no fault on their part. It's just that when you hear something like that, your mind goes to a place to go, oh my goodness. And so that night's the first time that my wife and I ever had a conversation about hey, if something happens to me, would you guys stay here? You know, because our family's in Reno. Um, and then I canceled our gospel community. Sorry, guys, now you know why. And then, uh, and then uh, just the rest of the week, it was just emotionally drained, you know? But here's, and I'll try not to get emotional now. It's not that I'm scared to death to cry in front of people. It's just that you can't unsee what it looks like. So some people are pretty criers. That's not me is the only thing that sustained me and strengthened me throughout this week was not a theological, objective knowledge that I had of God's love, but when I hit a spot in my life that made me go, oh my goodness, what if I lose my wife and my kids or my ability to to see them grow up? What What if my life is taken from me? What if these things happen to me in all this stuff, is it was honestly, the reality is, is when I was asked how I was doing, it is, the, it is not just the objective truth. It is, it was the, and it is the experience of God's infinite, immeasurable love that makes no sense that I know is boundless. And we sing songs about it being like an ocean, but the reality is, is in those moments, when you understand the, the, the magnitude and the depths of God's love for you and that He's holding you in spite of whatever circumstances that are going on in your life right now, It is the kind of love that you can understand that whatever he does for you is going to be for your good and for his glory and our response out of that church is where we're going today and where we're going to go at our family meeting is what does it look like for us to be a church that does that and models the sort of love that christ has given to us in our community i know and i'm wrapping up here I, i i know that if i ask some of you downtown Eugene (laughs) what are your honest thoughts you'd be like man it's broken it's 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 a mess just a lot of stuff's going on there mental illnesses and stuff like that and if i was like uh what why would you not want to be there maybe those would be some of your answers i would say this the reality is is that we if those are the things you listed the very reason why we should be in downtown Eugene is because of those things if it is the mecca for brokenness then why wouldn't we as a church be near that? There's people that are in our church this morning that are even here because we are downtown. And I would say that as a church, what it looks like for us to love our neighbors well is that we seek them. We step toward them. We don't just come downtown to have some sort of experience. We understand the love of God that's been bestowed to us and we step toward people to share that same sort of love to serve people. And then to share the good news of the gospel with them, and as a community, that's what we want to do. That's our vision. We want to make uh, we, our our mission is to make Jesus here. Our vision is we do that through loving God and loving our neighbors, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, "Let's pray." Father, if I know there are those in here that are hurting. That it maybe have had just a difficult week as well. And so I'm asking in such a powerful way right now that you would minister to them the truths of your love, the realities of what it is to be a child of God, what it is to be loved by you, what it is to be held by you, what it is to be held in the arms of boundless, infinite love. Father, the best news is is that your love is not contingent upon our love for you. Your love is contingent upon the life that Christ lived in our place. Amen.